the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to our latest edition of our audio and video podcasts. I'm Stephen Tubbs, Monday through Friday, 4 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time on 710 KNUS here in Denver. And we appreciate your attention and interest to this most bizarre story. As many of you are aware, if you've seen these episodes, Dr. James Craig, who is innocent as he sits in the Aurora Detention Facility awaiting his June 3rd preliminary hearing, uh, he is an innocent man, but I knew him. He was my dentist. I made eye contact with him at the last court appearance. And in the times before, the last time I had looked him in the eye was, as I mentioned, I don't say this to be funny, it was for a root canal. I did know the late Angela Craig, not well, but did work with them when I was at another radio station for years and years doing their radio advertising. And I was a patient for many years as well at Summerbrook Dental. This is going to be a different episode of the podcast. We've got a terrific guest who actually found us, and I want to bring in and welcome Dr. Mike Fricke. He is an arsenic expert. And Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast series. Hi, Stefan. It's good to have you. Can you just say, and this is not for my benefit at all, but I just find it bizarre, you know, as we record this on a Thursday uh, on on May 4th, Earlier in the week on the regular radio program, uh, we get a phone call from you and my producer says, there's an arsenic expert on. And of course, doing our due diligence, I wanted to make sure that you were who you were. But how did you find out about this whole story and especially what we're doing on the podcast series? Um, So arsenic is my thing. I I spent eight years uh, in graduate school and then as a postdoc with US EPA uh, researching arsenic and arsenic research efforts. uh, go on all over the world. There are many groups that are devoted specifically to arsenic. Um, I haven't worked with arsenic um, uh, in a laboratory since 2006, but I continue to follow the the literature. And uh, I I do um, speaking as a ACS, American Chemical Society counselor. And you actually found us because what, you have Google alerts for the word arsenic? Right, anytime arsenic is in the news, I get an email. Yeah. So how do you become interested, involved, one of the leading experts, certainly that I've ever, ever spoken with about arsenic? And you had told us, I think arsenic kind of found you, not the other way around. Talk about that. Uh, I went to graduate school, uh, University of Cincinnati Chemistry, and I wanted to synthesize, do synthetic chemistry, which is making uh, different molecules that are needed for whatever reason. And uh, I ended up joining Joe Crusoe's uh, research group, and he was studying the arsenic metalome, which is the 
I'll define as the inorganic and um, organic different compounds of arsenic, different oxidation states. Um, and these are present in food, in the air, in water, and in humans and animals. I want to make something very clear as we, we get underway, and I have so many rudimentary basic questions about arsenic and, and arsenic in human history over thousands of years. But I want to make sure that everyone, that you watching, that you know, uh, first and foremost, we say always at the top of our podcast series, and I try to remember to uh, conclude with it as well. It is not lost upon me that there are six children involved in this horrendous case, and I know I speak on behalf of, of Dr. Fricky. Uh, he knows that as well. In fact, and I don't mean to, to put this out there and, and make you embarrassed at all, but you told me on the radio you actually contributed to the Angela Prey Craig Children's Fund. And I think that that says a lot about your character and I appreciate that. And I know that maybe for some of you going, oh, they're just trying to be, again, another salacious headline grabbing story. That's not what this is about. But this is unlike in 33 plus years of my career, unlike any story that I certainly have, have ever covered. So how do you find out, and we're gonna get into some of the history of arsenic, et cetera, but how do you find out about this particular case where, again, Dr. James Craig allegedly poisons his wife over the course of days, the allegations are through her protein drinks. Um, how do you find out about this? Well, I heard about it when it originally uh, made the news. Um, I found out about the podcast um, just by doing a, a random search of the word arsenic on Spotify. And then I listened to the entire podcast, uh, first to last episode in one sitting on Tuesday. Wow. Well, that's a, that's an honor. And I, I appreciate that. And, and now here you're, you're part of, I believe, episode number, number 13, you know, uh, the preliminary hearing is coming up. We've read so much of the affidavit, more than 50 pages, et cetera. I want to get a little bit of your take toward the end of this podcast um, about just the evidence that has been presented by a police department to a district attorney's office. But if we can, let's take a pause on that. And I want to go back in history. The traces of arsenic, talk about uh, Otzi and and. 3300 BC. Talk about this mummified remains and our viewers are going to be able to at least see a little bit about this. Talk about it. Sure. Otzi was discovered in 1991 on the border of Austria and Italy at 10,000 feet. Um, he was emerging from a snowpack in the glacier as it melted away and his body was in such good condition that it was uh, reported to the police as a potential homicide. Um, as they started to uh, remove him from the ice, some of his uh, tools, such as the copper axe and some of his other um, um, clothes, were, were much, much older. And, and eventually he was uh, determined to be over 5,000 years old. Um, he was in a pocket in the rocks. Usually a glacier sweep, sweeps everything away. But the way he was uh, under the ice, he had about a mile of ice above him. Uh, it flattened him, but he didn't move for the last 5,000 years. So he is now the most studied corpse in the world. Uh, there's a museum uh, near where he was found. Uh, he's named after the town Otzi where he was he was found. And uh, he has been studied every possible way that could be studied. Um, and his uh, hair and fingernails contain very high levels of arsenic. Any kind of uh, keratin... Um, Rich, rich part of the body will 
will um, absorb the arsenic and accumulate there. And when they when they saw the levels of arsenic in his hair and fingernails, they had assumed that that's how he had died. Um, later on, an MRI showed that there was an arrowhead in his back, so he was shot and killed by one of his friends. Um, but the the way that they believe he got the arsenic in his system is by copper smelting. Um, his his axe was made out of copper, and copper was the first metal to be um, used by humans. And the reason for that is because you don't have to reach a certain temperature to make copper metal. Um, you take some copper ore like malachite, dig a small hole, build a fire in it. You add, you grind up the malachite, and, and then cover the um, the uh, fire with some turf, and then you can blow air into it with a leather bellows. This creates a reducing atmosphere, um, and it's actually the carbon monoxide that oxidizes to carbon dioxide and reduces the copper from from the malachite to the copper metal. After it burns out, you get the copper at the bottom, and you can you can shape it into uh, to weapons. Yeah, and you had told us on our radio program that this was basically one of the first kind of, I guess, modern day OSHA cases of, of of an occupational hazard. Because of obviously time purposes, you know, I want to yeah. fast forward, you know, thousands of years. And and when did we start in in the more modern age seeing arsenic? I know, for example, the Victorian age. There's a green pigment. Talk about the slide that that we'll put up on that. Okay, so. This is a uh, pigment that was discovered in the 1700s. Um, at, at this time um, period, we didn't have a good green coloring. So when um, this this compound was discovered, it's uh, copper acetoarsenite. Um, it was a it was a rich green color that did not uh, fade, and it became fashionable, uh, much like um, avocado colored uh, appliances in the 1970s. <laughs> the, uh, it was called Paris Green or Shields Green, became very fashionable in the 1830s, and it was fashionable for, for decades. Um, um, Queen Victoria had it removed from Windsor Palace in the 1870s um, as, as people started to realize that there may be some uh, toxicity to this arsenic pigment. It, it's truly amazing. Again, our guest, one of the nation's foremost experts in arsenic, joining us here on our latest episode, video and audio podcast. And we appreciate your time and interest as uh, we still are weeks away from Dr. James Craig's preliminary hearing. Uh, you also have mentioned and you've lectured, by the way, you know, you've lectured so much. You've been involved in many, many studies and papers over the years. Um, you can find Dr. Fricky on LinkedIn as well. Talk about what is the Poison Book Project. So this was part of the... Um the Paris green fad and uh, there were book binders in England. Um, they would, uh, at, before um, the 1830s. And so they would use leather bindings. Um, it was very expensive, but when they moved to cloth bindings, the um, they would use different colors. And, and um, there were, were many books that were in the green color. Um, I held one in my hands. I went and visited the poison book project. It went to true light um, library and museum and spoke with the project director, Melissa Tadone. Um, but these, these books still exist. They're on shelves in libraries throughout the country and the world. And uh, she was the first to notice uh, a, a book that she was preparing to exhibit, and it was flaking green, and, and they did some XRD studies and determined it was the arsenic pigment. And uh, she's been 
instrumental in getting the word out to libraries and private collectors around the world that if you have uh, green books um, from this time period, you should really get them checked out and at least keep them under plastic. Yeah, it's called the Poison Book Project, if you want to maybe Google that. Um, there were people that, that I guess just quickly, the arsenic eaters of, of Styria, I know we're, we're jumping around in time frames of, of human uh, history, sure. but uh, I mean, th- this is crazy. It's, th- there were other things, and you guided me, uh, and I greatly appreciate it, you guided me to a bunch of, of historical things of, you know, there were some people that thought arsenic was going to be, you know, it'd cure cancer, so to speak, or make your complexion better. And then the arsenic eaters of Styria, talk briefly about that. Well, um, this actually has some relevance to to the upcoming trial of Dr. Craig. Um, In the 1840s, James Marsh was an English chemist who developed a forensics test to to determine if uh, someone died from arsenic. So it's been over 200 years that we've been able to um, prove in court that someone died of arsenic poisoning. But as soon as the forensics test was introduced, the uh, defense lawyers came up with the argument that, well, this person did have arsenic in him, but actually they were a toxicophagist. And what are the toxicophagi? Well, this was a group of peasants in Styria. Likely around the 1500s, they began feeding arsenic to horses, and they believed that the arsenic gave them health and increased their strength. And actually, um, up until 2013, we were feeding uh, an arsenic compound to chickens because it does help with their immune system. Um but, you know, what's good for the horse, I guess, is good for the person. And some of these people started taking small amounts and were able to build up a tolerance to the arsenic so that they could take what would be a fatal dose of someone else and, and uh, survive it. And, and um, they actually claim that there were beneficial uh, effects of arsenic. Um, and, and when they stopped taking it, they would have withdrawal symptoms. So in many ways, uh, in the... Uh, Starting in the 1600s up until about the 1800s, uh, arsenic was a recreational drug. Insanity. Just crazy. Dr. Michael Fricke is a leading expert on arsenic. He, he joins us here on our latest episode of, of our podcast, audio and video series. Uh, I want to get um, you know closer as we, we still are awaiting the preliminary hearing. I want to get uh, more in-depth in some of your thoughts. I realize that these are your expert opinions and you're not speaking on behalf of, a, of an employer, and uh, some of it may be even your opinion. But I believe... Uh, is it uh, number 33 on the periodic table of elements? Right, right below phosphorus. Yeah, I learned that from you earlier in the week. What are the the acute effects of arsenic to the human body? So um, the acute effects are when you have a large dose all at once. This is opposite of the chronic effects, which are much more common. Um, there are two mechanisms um, first, the arsenic can bind to uh, enzymes and ca- contain thiol groups. Um, this is a, an enzyme that has a sulfur hydrogen um, group sticking out. And then arsenate can also mimic phosphate and inhibit the production of ATP, which is the body's method of storing energy. When you look at, and we have a slide uh, aptly titled Acute Effects, and you know, I, I look at this and violent abdominal pain, vomiting, bloody diarrhea, excessive salivation. You know, uh, we 
We have yet to see even preliminary autopsy results for Angela Craig. Just earlier this week, I was in contact with the Arapahoe County Coroner's Office, and they guided me to a press release and their only statement that was dated March 22nd, and it was right after Angela Craig's autopsy. And of course, these things, as you well know, they, they take uh, many, many weeks, etc. But uh, I know you know the story, like so many others, this has gained international attention. Uh, I can tell you through reading and talking with sources that abdominal pain, vomiting, severe headaches, all of those were experienced by Angela Craig in each of her three local hospital visits. What does it sound like to you? How do you interpret, uh, are these obviously, in your opinion, signs that this is a potential? And of course the allegations are on February 27th, um, Dr. Craig ordered arsenic, metalloid uh, on the uh, web, uh, amazon.com for $13. So kind of, I know it's a lot, but kind of unpack that for me if you would. Sure. Um, I actually was able to find that same um, compound being sold on eBay. Um, And what, what, uh, one of the reasons that I decided to reach out is that this is very unusual. So the chemical that, that Dr. Craig allegedly ordered um, is not the, arsenic oxide that has been used throughout history as a poison. It's a different form of arsenic. It's a, the elemental form of arsenic, uh, arsenic metal. And the difference between that and arsenic oxide, which is um, a white powder and tasteless and doesn't have a smell and dissolves in drinks, is that uh, granules of arsenic metal would be a dull um, gray metal, and they wouldn't dissolve. So if, uh, if it wasn't a um, uh, protein shake, it would be, um, it, you, would, you would be able to feel the texture of something like sand. Would you describe it, and it has been, the word chalky was uh, certainly in text messages, uh, a chalky taste. I mean, I, I'm not trying to, to stretch here, but, you know, mm-hmm. if it would be gritty, I mean, could it, is it conceivable that somebody would, uh, with your expertise and what you're talking about, would that be maybe a sensation or a descriptor used if it were, in fact, in a protein shake? Well, we have no idea because I could not find a single reference of anyone being poisoned or unintentionally eating arsenic metal. Mm-hmm. So we don't have any history to look back on and what happens with uh, with arsenic metal. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I can tell you that arsenic metal is much less toxic than arsenic oxide, and it will not convert to arsenic oxide either in the acidic environment of the stomach um, because the stomach has hydrochloric acid, and you need an oxidizing acid such as nitric acid to convert it to arsenic oxide. And it would also not be reactive in the uh, basic environment of the intestines. Mike, I want to ask you a question. After your appearance on our radio program, uh, I got a text message from one of our listeners, and I thought this was at least it was a decent question. I don't know with your expertise if 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 you may you may think it's not a decent question, but it was posed to me after your appearance on the program, radio wise, that well, is there anything in a dentist's office that could take that arsenic metal or metalloid? and convert it to kind of some of the things you're talking about. Would you know? So you would convert it with nitric acid. Um, 
and I don't believe that nitric acid is something that they keep in a dentist's office. Um, I also don't believe that this could be um, easily done. And yet the allegations are what they are. What, this is where I may be asking you a little bit of your opinion. Uh, okay. I don't know if you have read um, any or all of the arrest affidavit, but certainly in the mainstream media and the international coverage, you know, there are allegations that Dr. Craig from uh, dental exam room number nine uh, here in, in Colorado at Summerbrook Dental in Aurora earlier this year that he searched things like how many grams of arsenic does it take to kill a human and, and a couple of those searches. Um, many people have told me on and off the record that this just doesn't seem very smart, that the tracks weren't covered, et cetera. Once again, he is innocent until proven guilty. But I'm just wondering of, of you seeing, almost just as an outside news consumer like all of us, what are you thinking when you see those types of searches? Well, to me, it doesn't make sense. We're talking about, uh, you know, an educated man here. Um, he, he went to a lot of school to become a dentist. And um, I, I would imagine that the, a search like that would be done either from an Internet cafe or a burner phone where, right. you know, there would be no history. And it's almost like it's being served up to the police. And the other allegations are oleander oil pills, uh, which can, you know, in, in doses can be certainly fatal. Um, the allegations of the order, again, off the Internet of potassium cyanide delivered on a Friday. He tells one of the office workers, according to the arrest affidavit, don't open this box. Well, as I've said, even on this series, whoops, somebody else did open that. And then that, it, to me, is really where the house of cards started to tumble because then the business partner uh, is informed, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, talk about potassium cyanide because the way I read and I could be completely wrong, but the way I read it is the potassium cyanide was intercepted and there would have been really no way for uh, a dose of potassium cyanide to be given to Angela Craig. And and yet we're also hearing your expert opinion on, well, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of history to back arsenic metalloid poisoning someone. What about just, just for educational purposes, what about potassium cyanide? So uh, potassium cyanide is another uh, interesting case. Do you remember in the 1980s it was added to uh, Tylenol? And sure. seven people around Chicago died from that? Right, the Tylenol scare. Right. The uh, potassium cyanide um, would would kill someone in minutes. A very small amount would, would stop the uh, lung muscles from breathing, and, and they would die within minutes. Um, from what I understand, uh, Angela Craig uh, had had uh, was was brain dead um, and that does not sound to me like potassium cyanide poisoning yeah and you know not only your expert opinion and and your experience but it it just doesn't it doesn't add up and again from all indications are that that potassium cyanide order if you will that arrived at summerbrook dental was quote unquote intercepted um just a few more questions again our guest is one of the, sure. the nation's foremost experts in in arsenic I want to go back in history because even on alleged web searches by by Dr. Craig, there are searches that led him to websites that gave almost, I don't even know what to say, almost romantic, romanticizing the use of arsenic. Uh, for example, 
being uh, being used and a part of a plot line in murder mystery uh, writings. And you know, arsenic and old lace is is well to me the first film that I think of Hollywood wise when it comes to to arsenic. But how did it get to the way? We, in 2023, think about arsenic, and we've gone back 3300 B.C., but, you know, how did it get to be in these novels? And, you know, I guess so intriguing to so many people. Well, um, the uh, the arsenic eaters were, were um, you know, the popular story in the 1800s, and this led to um, people being interested in arsenic. There was uh, Sears used to sell arsenic wafers that you could pat on your cheeks, and it would remove the... Uh, um, some of the uh, kill some of the blood uh, vessels, and you would get more of a, you know, white skin, uh, which was fashionable at the time because it showed you didn't have to work outside. So it, it was a, a, a fashionable thing to uh, to wear clothes that were made with arsenic dyes and yeah. use arsenic uh, containing makeups. However, there's a there's a point right where it is this nefarious member of the periodic table of elements there there you know the untraceability i mean i've even read because of of what you were so kind to forward me um it, it apparently and i know you don't know this nor do i but it apparently yeah. tastes sweet it tastes sweet talk about that yeah so um one of the reasons that it was so useful for killing mice and rats is it apparently has a little bit of a sweet taste so uh, one of the names for the white arsenic, uh, the arsenic oxide, is ratsbane, and they would use it uh, on ships to control the rat populations. Um, my grandmother actually told me that her father would sprinkle uh, um, white arsenic around their tomato plants in the ground, and it, it was wow. used as a pesticide up until the 19th century. Just crazy. As we wrap up this episode of our video and audio podcast, again, uh, beginning of June, a little less than a month away, the preliminary hearing at the Arapahoe County Justice Center for Dr. James Craig. That is when the judge will determine whether or not there is enough evidence to hold this, my former dentist, over for a trial on allegations of murder that he killed his wife and the allegations, as you well are aware, that he poisoned her to death via arsenic. That remains to be seen, and as we record this, still no preliminary or firm autopsy uh, report. The couple of other questions I want as we wrap up, uh, Mike, is there is is something that a lot of people have said to me, both, again, on the record and off the record. Uh, She was in the hospital, Angela, Angela Craig was, three different times. They did not test for poisoning, and the story goes, and I believe it because I have good sourcing on this, that it was the business partner um, at the bedside of a nearly or completely brain-dead Angela Craig that pulled a nurse aside at, at University Hospital and said, have you all checked for poisoning? And she, as a first responder, the nurse calls the Aurora Police Department. But with something like this, just your opinion, mm-hmm. if there is something that's baffling you know, the experts, medical doctors, multiple visits to hospitals, and in Angela Craig's case, Parker Adventist Hospital and University Hospital. Do you think that doctors, and I'm not trying to put any blame uh, on them, but that in something that is just so puzzling, should they almost automatically test? Well, let's see if there was poison involved. I would I would be surprised if they did. Um, most of them have probably never seen a case of poisoning or know anyone who has um, from arsenic. Uh, it's exceedingly rare. And talk about the, is it the Marsh Marsh test? 
Right. So the Mars test was the first um, forensics test that was ever developed in the 1840s. And uh, it was kind of an ingenious setup. Um, you you uh, take a, a sample and you react it with uh, nitric acid and zinc. And this liberates a gas called arsine, which is arsenic and three hydrogens. Uh, the, the gas arsine travels through a tube where you ignite it. Arsenic burns with a purple flame. And if you hold a piece of glass up to the flame, it will deposit what's known as an arsenic mirror, the shiny metallic arsenic. Um, and then this piece of glass could then be taken in to the courtroom and said, here, this is proof that this person had arsenic in them. Uh, would of you, course, would now we say, use... Um, uh, yeah, I was going to say, just sorry to interrupt, but would you say that there's definitely been a test like that, uh, whether it's called the Marsh test or not, uh, perhaps in the autopsy of Angela Craig? So they would test for arsenic either using an instrument called inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometry or another one, which is atomic absorbance. Um, and my guess is that they probably would use uh, inductively coupled plasma mass spectrometry and maybe have even sent it to uh, Quatico and FBI headquarters. Hmm. Two more quick questions, Mike, and I hope to have you on the podcast series once again. And again, thank you for your time. I sure. want to know, um, this is your opinion again. Yeah. Should anything with, and, and I'm not about more rules, more government intervention, um, you know, more following the book and people telling us what we can't do because maybe they feel we're irresponsible. With that said, though, should anything containing arsenic, whether it's a metalloid or any other variation, should that be just easily available via eBay or, or Amazon.com, in your opinion? Well, I'm, I'm a libertarian, so I, I definitely would, uh, <laughs> um, you know, restrict the government's ability to prevent people from having what they need as long as they're not hurting someone else. Yeah, that's a, a good answer, and I, I certainly respect that. Finally, do you feel that right now, from the way, again, from your professional and personal opinions and your knowledge, right now, would you say that if they are trying to pin the murder of Angela Craig on her husband, Dr. James Craig, and the affidavit says what it does, and hey, you know, look, he ordered this and it was for $13 and it's this arsenic 99.9999% crystalline metalloid or whatever it is. Do they have their work cut out for them to try to prove that? Um, so I'll go out on a limb here and make a prediction that arsenic is not determined to be the cause of death. And, and we'll, we'll see if I'm right or not. Um, the thing about the whole... Um, the, the podcast that caught my attention more than anything was that uh, Dr. Craig gave uh, his wife a, a blood pressure, um, uh, oxygen monitors, and was really concerned with, with her vitals. And it, it seems to me that he was almost expecting something to happen and, and not understanding why it didn't, just from reading the text messages that you heard. Um, right. I think that that is uh, more damning than, than, than the uh, arsenic metal, which I don't know would kill someone. I don't know that anyone knows that. So, I can't thank you enough, Dr. Michael Fricky, for your time, arsenic expert, and we'll have you on the podcast series again. As I mentioned sure. at the top, it is not lost upon Dr. Fricky or myself that there are six children involved and that the friends and family of Angela Craig are still mourning her death. If you can, find on GoFundMe Find the Angela Prey Craig Children's Fund as they get closer to their $100,000 goal. 
And again, thank you to our guest, Dr. Michael Fricke. We'll be back soon with another episode, audio and video, in this podcast series as we every day get closer to Dr. James Craig's preliminary hearing in Arapahoe County, Colorado. For our producer, Mark Crowley, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Thank you so much for your interest, and we'll talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.